We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 428 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Levon, a.k.a. Barcelev, and we've got two finalies to get out of the way. One is that Xavi has won his trophy, but we'll get to that plenty. But also, Levon, is this the first, quote, big, unquote, game that you've gotten to talk about? Like, unfortunately, I feel like it's been used for so many of the devastating L's over the last two seasons. I think it's really nice that I finally get to have you on for... We'll say a, a big win, a big victory, and one to celebrate. Didn't we? Didn't we talk after the um, the Clasico in Madrid? The four zero, I think we did. I think, but I think that was the last one that you got to do, which feels like a <laughs> lifetime ago, right? That that was huge, though. Yeah, no, it feels good. It feels good. I know it's Supercopa, and you know there was a time when we did not value Supercopas, but this is the first title of the Xavi era, as both Laporta and I think some of the players pointed out, and not, not just the players, also also the journalists in Spain, like the the journalists on TV, they actually announced it like that right after the game, the first trophy of the Xavi era. So, I mean, they already kind of take it for granted that there are more trophies to follow, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have been beating the drum in the last week that this was an important moment for Xavi. Because I, I think even from our, our friend Diego Lorene, who works for uh, as a Barca TV presenter and has been on the show before, mm-hmm. he was we were in a Twitter spaces earlier in the day for the pregame to, to Barca spaces. And he was mentioning how even in Spain, like the surprise is how little, not to say respect, but how much questioning was going for Xavi. And I think as much as you want to look outside and hear all the chatter of the Liverpool fans and the Real Madrid fans and Manchester United and all the people that come into our mentions, you and I, who we know aren't really theater for Barca, they're not, not even say Kules, but they're not, they're just from some other club, but internally that the pressure on Xavi was definitely rising internally. Even if it wasn't at the club necessarily, it was Catalan media. It was people in Spain. were starting to, to chirp a little bit about the, uh, the efficacy of, of Xavi's project. And this title, as I was kind of beating the drum on, it, it was weird because the Spanish super cup, you know, usually doesn't matter much to Real Madrid or Barcelona. And if you watch Real Madrid against Valencia, and then you watch them in the final today, you got the sense that it's true. They're the Liga reigning champions. They're Champions League reigning winners. And they didn't really care about the Spanish Super Cup. Going to Saudi Arabia, Real Madrid 
didn't care. Losing to the Barcelona in the final is the only real thing that you could on paper say they cared about. And they care a little bit about every trophy, but they didn't care. For Barcelona, this was all about the Blagrana. They needed to win a trophy for Xavi. They needed a to win a trophy. To, I mean, to, again, prove that their project is more advanced than it was. And so all being about Barcelona, I think that's kind of where we begin this is the response that you saw from Barcelona from minute one all the way to minute 90, well, 80, 88, we'll say, <laughs> except for the, the, the goal at the end. But it was exactly what you wanted from a team that, yes, tactically, they got it right. We'll get into that. But as far as just the motivation, the fight, the desire, all those intangible things, control of a game, all those things you want from Barcelona and from Xavi as a manager, they delivered tonight. They did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually think even though we had more players than any other club that went to the World Cup, I think that might have even played in our favor that the World Cup is played in the middle of the season because people come back refreshed, so to speak. But yeah, no, it's it, it, it's very interesting. I wouldn't say that there was that much pressure on on, on Xavi at all, not from within the club. Yeah, not within and, the club. And, 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 and not even that much from, from Catalan media either. But the, the risk in Catalonia is... And, and Spain is always quite big, especially at Barcelona, because uh, because of the political components, right? So if Xavi doesn't win, then there are interested parties who are going to criticize Xavi just because. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Xavi is not above any criticism ever. That's that's not the point. Uh, it's just that you, you know from which corner the, the campaigns will come yeah. if if we don't rack up wins. Now, at the same time, I do think that being top of the league helps. Yeah. P- probably even more so than the Supercopa. Winning a big game against Madrid and winning it the way that we won it also helps after after the painful Champions League exit, of course. I think you could argue that last season when they beat Madrid 4 nothing, that is what galvanized that team. They were already on, on the path, but that was the win that galvanized them to finish second in the league. And while the Europa League still happened and all those things, it was important in Spain and in that competition to, to, get, to get that kind of superiority. You know, the, the fun stat here that people are having a little bit of fun with is the last time that Barca won a title without Lionel Messi in the squad was a 1998-1999 season, and that was a Liga. And that wow. was 23 years ago, which wow. incredibly was also Xavi's first trophy as a Barca player. And then tonight he wins his first trophy as a Barca huh. manager. Right. So the, yeah, there, there's okay. a little bit of things going on. But what that what what I think for me to step back from that larger picture is was the whole band aid that had to be ripped off. And we're not again. We're, I'm not relitigating how Messi left the club or anything like that. I'm talking about regardless of when he left the club, there was always going to be a period where Barcelona had to turn the page. It was going to have to happen. And while this kind of match is, you know, feels not symbolic, you don't want to be hyperbolic about a Spanish Super Cup final, anything like that. But to have Xavi as a manager win his first trophy, to have Gabi and Pedri be the two best players on the field. And we're, there's a lot of praise for a lot of Barcelona players. But to me, it was Gabi and Pedri in that order. They were the two best players for the 22 that was in that match. And to have those two in particular be the two best players to win the first trophy for Barcelona since Lionel Messi, I think says a lot about the project. It says a lot about the era. And as much as I don't want to overinflate that in that locker room, I think the players might be galvanized with that kind of confidence to say, you know, we're not putting all this pressure on Gabi and Pedro. We're saying these two were our two best players in a match against Real Madrid in a final four trophy. And now Xavi's won a trophy. And that can be this huge thing that is necessary to take some of the weight 
out of that locker room. Like that locker room, as long as Busquets and Alba, and as long even as that locker room is not winning the Ligas and winning the Champions League, there's always going to be this thing that exists in that place. You could feel it. You see when Jordi Alba reacts to things, you could feel that. I mean, when Busquets lifted a trophy, you could see how much it meant to him to be a captain and lifting that trophy finally. So mm-hmm. for that weight that exists, that as much as Kool-Aid's outside the club feel like they're putting on the club, those players themselves feel it in that locker room. And I think, again, I, I don't want to almost downplay the, the significance of the first trophy, not even for Xavi, but after Lionel Messi. Right. And it's, it's, it's not just the players who feel it in the locker room because of pressure that comes from outside the club. Xavi says constantly that we have to win titles. So that, that pressure is also from from their coach. And hope, hopefully it's positive pressure and it's good pressure. I finished the, the Amazon documentary. Mm-hmm. On, on Barcelona uh, this week. No spoilers. Uh, no spoilers, and, please. <laughs> uh, well, you can edit out the no, spoilers, no, but here also, uh, I think you're joking because we we know pretty much everything already. <laughs> but Xavi very much puts the pressure mm-hmm. on, on on players to deliver, and only winning is good enough. So, uh, yeah, the Supercopa is nice and all, but we need at least La Liga this season. That's what is expected in the club. Also with, you know, signing Lewandowski, uh, signing Jules Conde, signing Cassie, signing uh, Christensen and signing Rafinha, which came on top of a hugely talented squad that was already in place. Like that should be the, uh, the expectation. And even more so, to be honest, Madrid does not look good. And their, their, their schedule in the next couple of months is absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. So I, I would not I would not at all be surprised if Madrid just focuses on the Champions League, like they usually do, because they don't often win both. But they have the Club World Cup in between all of those matches as well. Like that, that schedule is brutal. So uh, ho- hopefully we can capitalize on on our momentum and uh, get a whole bunch of wins. And hopefully Madrid will drop points. Yeah, what I will say about Real Madrid in that title race is so often, you know, and all fans of any club do this. They myopically focus on their own squad, their own results, the highs and lows of every single player in their own squad. And when you watch this match, and again, trying to look across the aisle at Real Madrid, you see that while they did win the Liga, they win the Champions League, they have the trophies, they're in a good era, they have all this money, went after Mbappe, can buy whoever they want, right out from under Barcelona's nose. But they have their own issues. For as much as Kool-Aid can say, I mean, the number one problem with the squad is the fullbacks. Like, there's there's, there's no... Balde is still coming into it. I mean, he was phenomenal today. Well, we can do that. But he was phenomenal today. Araujo played at right back. And he obviously is Barcelona's best <laughs> center back, actual, like, defender. And so he played right back today, very much like we saw in the preseason. I kind of predicted would be the case. In that preseason, Xavi kind of said, this is what we want to do against Real Madrid. We're going to play Araujo against Vinny Jr. And then with, mm-hmm. with Koundé and Christensen healthy for which Christensen reminder was not healthy for El Clasico earlier this season in October and neither was Araujo. So that was uh, Eric Garcia who started as a left center back and it was Sergio Roberto who started as the right, uh, the right back. And it also was like early times for ball day, as opposed to, I, I think again, guy, kids gaining confidence every, every week, but nevertheless, that thing that was built in the preseason, that one, nothing win, even though it was a preseason game in Miami, you could feel it was a fluke, but the tactics that Xavi put out, were very similar to the ones he used today and utilized. And again, with his squad not healthy, the 3-1 in the Liga winds up being less of what was actually the case because of what Barcelona had at their disposal. And for Real Madrid, their problems with the fullbacks, again, Barcelona's, they can only be fixed in the transfer window. 
But for Real Madrid, Ferland Mendy, I mean, even though he has that name and the reputation, Los Blancos fans are pretty much, I mean, half out on him. They're, they're as out on him as Kool-Aid's, I think, we'll say basically Rafinha territory, right? Where it's like, there's a lack of belief. Mm-hmm. You still know there's a great player, but there's kind of a lack of belief where they are at the moment. And then Danny Carvajal today was the worst player on the pitch. I can't believe we haven't talked about anybody else, but I'm going to start with Danny Carvajal because as good as Barcelona were, I mean, Madrid's midfield of Modric, of Kamavinga, who is now for the second straight game, come out at halftime. A teenager being pulled at halftime for the second great straight game. And, and, and Tony Cruz, who is not at his best, and couldn't handle Pedri tonight. Those three were poor in the midfield. And then you have, again, Carvajal was just awful against, I mean, that's what allowed Gabi to be the man of the match was Carvajal was terrible. And then in the times when it was Balde, you saw in the 51st minute, just Balde sprinting right past him. A great first touch on that Ter Stegen diagonal and then off to the races. And so Real Madrid, they have their own problems. They have fullback issues and they have a squad that is both relying on older players, i.e. like Barcelona with Busquets. And and they also are, are trying to figure out exactly who they're going to be. Like they can buy all these talents, but if they can't figure out who they are and with Chuamani injured today, that was a huge thing. Barcelona won, uh, lost in the earlier La Liga uh, Champions League. And I mean, uh, sorry, uh, El Clasico. And Real Madrid lost this one without Chuamani. So there's excuses on both sides everywhere. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, I, I did not understand it at the time, but looking at their midfield now and looking at what Arsenal is doing, I understand it even less how Madrid let Martin Odegaard go mm-hmm. because uh, that that guy is such a talented player. And if they had him on top of that midfield or at least share those responsibilities with, with Modric, their midfield would be in a, in, in a much better place. Um, I think Kamavinga was actually their best midfielder today. Um, for the life of me, I don't know why he got subbed off, but maybe I, maybe I missed something. I'm sure that Ancelotti sees the game better than I do. I think Chomani is really good, but people talk about him as if he's God. He's not. So I, I don't know how much of a difference Chomani on the pitch would have mm-hmm. made. I thought not just Pedri and Gavi were excellent. Frankie, Frankie de Jong and Busquets were 
really good as well. Yeah, let's I talk mean, to the, let's talk about the midfield now. Do you want to start with Gabi or yeah. I say we build the Gabi? So let's hit Busquets and Dion and Pedri first. Not let, let let let's start with the guy who was actually starting both of our goals, which was Busquets, mm-hmm. because uh, you know for all the talk about how how finished he is, Busquets robs the ball that leads to uh, the the first Gabi goal. He pressures Camavinga. Camavinga. Cannot really blame Kamavinga because Rudiger should not have passed that ball to Kamavinga in in that spot. But Busquets goes in full force and uh, he tackles, but then also picks up the ball for for Dembele to to quickly pick it up and and lead that counter. And then in in, in this on the second goal, Busquets just breaks those lines with a one-time pass to Frankie De Jong, mm-hmm. who flicks it on towards towards Gavi. So today it started there. Busquets, Busquets was ex- excellent. Tactically, if you have Gavi on the left wing, he dropped into the midfield a lot. That width either was not there on the left, or most of the time it came from Balde. But Xavi was happy for uh, for Gavi to to drop back so that we would always have uh, numerical uh, superiority. But it's quite interesting because I know that we had this conversation earlier this season where we talked about how we were playing well, but all of the goals either came from, from counters or from counter-pressing mm-hmm. up top. And the the last couple of matches, we're actually seeing seeing a score from either score or create opportunities from possession, and it's very nice to see because we never understood like how how come we have Pedri at the center of midfield and and Gavi and Frankie De Jong and we have Xavi who is a coach and everything goes to the wings and all that we see is scoring opportunities from counters even though we have the ball or, or from counter press but now we're actually seeing ball circulation we're seeing really fast passing there, there was this one possession of like 40 passes in a in row the 76 and minute, was, I, I was proud to bring that up in the 76 minute that's when the game was over even though it was two nothing at that time or the third goal was about to be scored they completely took real madrid out of the game in one minute it was over and over and over they were chasing shadows and there was no shot yep exactly and it's it, it was not sterile possession either. It was mm-hmm. literally like make, making the other team chase shadows. And I think that is so demoralizing for, for the opponent when, when we play like that, when we make those short passes, but we do it fast. And because when we do it fast, there's always chance of space opening up where, boom, we're in and we take advantage. So it's very nice to see this. It's very nice to, you know, Xavi has always talking talking about this, but we have not always seen it. Yeah, and, and it is nice to see it. Real. Let me give it a little credit. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about the X and O's and how Xavi kind of set that midfield up to succeed in ways that Busquets and De Jong haven't necessarily been at their best together in the past. I, I think I, I, it was a surprise, I think, to everybody, maybe even Ancelotti, that Pedri wasn't the left winger because that's how it's been this season. Instead, it, it's been Gabi. Well, Gabi did it last year yeah. and it went poorly, and we'll, we'll get to Gabi in a second. But the job of De Jong and Busquets and again, Pedri was his own thing today, but why it was so much better is you and I were talking before how function wise, Pedri dropping in a little bit deeper, receiving the ball and pushing forward at times was necessary. But if you look at the heat map today, he was much farther forward, consistently farther forward on that counter press along with Gabi and that box midfield mm-hmm. that worked against Atletico Madrid, right? Is this a big game situation? Maybe it is because the job of, or the, the, the function of Real Madrid that, that Xavi anticipated was that they were going to plan to absorb and counter. And because they're elite at countering one of the best sides in the world with Vinny Jr. And Benzema at that, that, that they were going to score those goals. 
And the fourth chance of the game was the first one that Real Madrid had. Barcelona had the first three, if you remember, including the one that Lewandowski winds up saved by Courtois, hits the post, and Balde blasts it over. You know, so there were warning signs for Barcelona. But the first one from Real Madrid does come on that counter, really the first time that Benzema was anywhere near the box, the header that, I mean, he probably should have finished. But that, other than the goal, was the only other chance that Real Madrid really had in this game. Because again... Vinny Jr. and Benzema in particular were completely starved of anything because the idea, again, for Real Madrid is to absorb and counter. But if their transition passing is not quick enough is or is off the mark, not only are you not getting the ball to Benzema and not getting it to Fede Valverde, because again, they, they, uh, Real Madrid is basically playing the exact same thing that Real Madrid was. I mean, uh, Barcelona won't over for it. And I, I find it really interesting that now for the third straight match, Xavi has basically mirrored his opponent as a trying to dogmatically play the same way in some kind of four three three or slam this you know Xavi ball right down everybody's throat. Now for the third straight game, he said, okay, they're going to likely play a diamond midfield or a whether it's a four three three or you want to call it a a three two five, whatever you want to call it in build up in possession. We're going to make sure we have all of those areas on the field as covered as they do. So what Busquets and De Jong I think did better than almost anything else was communicating today because the possession was for Real Madrid was where Barcelona wanted to be, which was in their half of the field. And they couldn't counter properly because as you mentioned, Busquets was there when he needed to be. And it winds up leading to that goal, Gabi's goal, the first goal of the game and and kind of breaking everything open. Mm -hmm. But I was really impressed by, and you and I have discussed before about De Jong's positioning in relation to both Busquets and Gabi and Pedri, because while De Jong of those three, I mean, there were moments in the game where, especially on that double team for Vinny Jr. with Koundé, where Busquets was like, just excellent, just excellent Busquets. The long ball he has to Lewandowski, I know it didn't lead to anything, but a one-touch, what, 45, 50-yard ball to to the corner. I mean, superb from Busquets today on both sides of the ball. But the fact that De Jong kept his spacing defensively and offensively within like 10 to 15 yards of Busquets, there were times when he would get forward, like again, on the second goal, where De Jong knew the run he had to make, sprinted into that space, got the toe poke forward. And I thought the way that they communicated and it handed off Modric, who didn't do much in this game, and when Vinny Jr. would drift in, because you could see that Ancelotti, the minute he knew it was going to be Araujo. So the idea was to get Vinny Jr. Yeah. He, the idea was to get Vinny Jr. <laughs> underneath Benzema. But that didn't work because Busquets, instead of getting turned inside out by Vinny Jr., always had help. And De Jong was as good as he can be vertically. He was so important horizontally, which allowed Gabi and Pedri to be the, hor- uh, the vertical players, rather. And we see more from Gabi and more from Pedri when they're just allowed to be as special as they are on the ball and just be these unbelievable playmakers and not even creators like you'd think, but guys who can push forward and dribble and understand space and get forward and, and attack. And De Jong allowed, it set the table for all that to happen with Busquets as well. So, I mean, I thought they were all excellent. And I think now it's time to talk about Pedri and Gabi because as much as I'm praising De Jong and Busquets, again, they set the table and allowed all to happen. But the brilliance of Pedri and Gabi is why Barcelona won this match because they were the two best. I I think it's very difficult to say uh, who the, who the best players were. Uh, I think all midfielders were were excellent. Essential, um, yeah, they did their job. You're right; they essentially did their the, job to uh, the letter. Pedri and Gavi get more of the credit because they play further up front. Mm-hmm. Of course, Gavi, especially, and you cannot deny that he's man of the match with two assists and a goal. Obviously. You know, he, he, he picked his moments really well and he kept his composure, which is amazing. And off the ball, he gives you so much as well. I thought uh, Dembélé played very smart. Mm-hmm. There was not one errant pass of him. You know, let's let's say that because he does not always get credit for playing intelligently, uh, even though I think that, you know, he, he generally does. I would have liked to see Anzu play more, but hey, you know, 
I cannot cannot really complain about it too much. I mean, the way that um, Eleven was playing, we understand why Xavi, you know, we've criticized him before in his subs, but you understand why he kept the Eleven on the field as long as he did. Because the way they were humming yeah. and, and everything was working, like, you don't you don't change it. No, no, like absolutely. That. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, to be honest, I think, I think Anzu can also do this. He can also hit and move quite well. So I don't, I don't think that would have been an issue. Well, I, I think he did against um, Atletico Madrid, and people criticize him for that performance. But as I said, defensively, the, the pressing, the work that he, the work rate that he had in that game, I think he did do that job that you're that you're mentioning against Atletico Madrid, and he just didn't get credit for it. Yeah. And another thing that is in, interesting is currently in Spain, there's a, an ex Chelsea defender who was signed by a huge Spanish or Catalan club, uh, or by a huge Liga club. Let's put it that way last summer under very heavy questioning from the media and that Chelsea defender is not Christensen. No, it's not. No, of course it's not Christensen. Wait. No. Oh, you're talking about Rudiger. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I see what it is. Yeah, he, yeah, it's not Christensen. He, no, no. What, what, what a great no. compliment for Christensen. No, it is not Christensen. No. He, he's been no. superb. He has been superb. No, and Rudiger is catching a lot of heat the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, which, which is interesting because every, 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 everybody was saying that we we signed the wrong guy from Chelsea mm-hmm. that we should we should have gone for Rudiger. So no, man, good vibes, good vibes, like Classico win, yay, um, good for the money as well. I think there's four million extra. But one thing that three essential players on the pitch today, Gavi, Araujo, um, and Balde still don't have new contracts yet. Like Gavi and uh, Araujo have signed them, but they still don't actually have them. Yeah. And, and Balde hasn't renewed yet. Again, I know people love to talk about signings, but look at the team that has just literally run circles against the European and Liga champions. Mm-hmm. We, we need to make sure that those three guys stay at the club. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's they, like, all three were were essential to that's, this win today, yeah. Uh, certainly. Yeah, I, I think just going back to the midfield real quick with Pedri, one of the things I will say that made him so impressive to me today and why I say number two is ball retention more than anything else that when Pedri is on his day, like he was today, there is no, there is no counter press that Real Madrid has. There is no solution. They could fight and you could tell in the second half that they had just lost, they'd lost it because you can't get the ball off Pedri. And there are moments when you can put, and Real Madrid felt this. There were moments in the first half where they attempted to put Busquets or De Young under a little bit of pressure and they were able to cycle the ball well. And you and I talk about it. Barcelona are better the faster they move the ball. And especially in the buildup on that, what was it, the goal? I think it was, yeah, it was Gabi's goal. It was Gabi's goal as well. When they won the ball, it was one touch from Dembele, perfect decision to Pedri, which is what you ask of him. And then Pedri's one touch, Lewandowski, to, to break through the midfield line and the, and the back line was yeah. all that goal needed. And then Lewandowski took the extra touch, sure, but he set himself up to have Gabi set up for the one-two. And kind of transitioning to Gabi as well, what was most impressive to me about Gabi at left wing, I already kind of said it before, that last year he looked completely lost on the left wing. Xavi tried that, but he, he knew that Gabi needed to be on the field for all that fight, all that desire, all those intangibles we talk about. You know, the 22nd minute, I, I mentioned this on the, the five headlines, so this is all going to be a repeat thing here. But Araujo's long ball, that diagonal that I don't know how much Araujo knew about it, but Gabi does everything to keep it inbounds, right? And that's what we love about Gabi, that right, fight, yeah. that desire, all those things. But then he gets a goal and two assists, and he does it with his non-dominant foot. He's a right-footed player, and he does all three of those things with his left foot playing, quote-unquote, out of position. Or, better yet, in a position that he was uncomfortable with last year, and he's adapted and figured it out. And it's like that thing that we talk about, how when Barcelona signs other players outside of the club who maybe they're not the best fit, I mean, it sums up the Bartomeu era, they're not the right fit, and they never really acclimate, and it doesn't work. 
but Gabi and his ability to adapt, his ability to be able to play and do what Xavi needs of him to say, okay, I'm going to be the left interior today, the right interior the other day, the left wing on another day, and to adapt to a midfield or two interiors and a pivot, whatever it may be. His ability to do that is what is going to make him a superstar. And that's the progress that I don't want people to take for granted. That for him to have right. this success, not even against Real Madrid in a, in a in a final, for him to do that with his non-dominant foot and to be able to, or just to look like he is figuring something out almost on the fly. These are the little nuances because Pedro and Gabi are already going to be seen. I mean, they already are seen as these really, really great players at the age that they are. It's going to be more difficult, Levon, for you and I to figure out how they're improving and where that progress is coming. And today, obviously, Gabi, I mean, he had what? He had 33% of his total goal contributions in his time in the club. You know, he's been playing for two years now on the first team, and he had like 33% of them today against Real Madrid. So to expect him to become this goal scorer and assist machine with his non-dominant foot is not what to do. But to understand where we saw the progress for him and why Barcelona, that's the other thing, why when Barcelona's midfield is so good today that they can dominate Real Madrid even, right? When those four players dominate in the middle of the field, that's the difference. And I was going to say too, the thing that most impressed me and the thing that stands out for me the most from this game, I think for all the good performances, yes, it's that after that first goal was scored, I love the response that the team had. Because unlike Real, Real Batiste and unlike Atletico Madrid, there was no, oh, Real Madrid, here you go. Here's a little bit of the match. They did not let them back for a moment. They immediately won the second mm-hmm. ball off that kickoff that Benzema kicked back won that ball, and then continued to just take the life out of the game. That was the most impressive thing. Because as we've seen, and that's a criticism that Xavi had to deal with earlier. I mean, I criticized him early in the week. That by allowing teams back in these games, by not putting your foot on their throat and having that killer instinct, you let anybody, whether it's Adafe or Real Madrid or Inter or Man U, whoever it is, you let them back in the game. And today, they did not do that. They were supremely dominant from minute one all the way to the end of that match. And that is what I hope not only can this team carry forward with them in big matches, but that to me was the most impressive thing I saw, that their fight and their desire right after the goal did not change the course of this match. No, it, it was impressive. Uh, I, I think for for our midfield, for the season to be to be successful, we need one of Cassie or Pablo Torre to, to step up and and play a bit of a role. I don't think with the schedule that we have, that it is feasible to expect that midfield uh, rotation to just be between the four midfielders who usually uh, start most games. Um, when I say usually start most games, Frankie and Bozzi are alternating. Alternating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're alternating starts. I, I don't know if they can keep that up for two games a match for the next three, four months. So that that would be my my only concern there. Uh, hopefully, Cassie. Can be uh, can be good there. Uh, may- maybe Pablo Torre. I really don't know. Or Cesar Roberto. Yeah, I mean, you, you, he, you said I was going to. He, he might also play a play a bigger role yeah. than than people anticipate. Well, either as a right back or as a center. I mean, maybe not a center back, uh, center midfielder, but yeah, even as a right back. I, I think we saw with the subs that Xavi put on the field. He showed you not say who he trusts per se. I think Eric Garcia was the one of the five some that got on the field because of the transfer rumors this week. I think you know. I think. Obviously, I'll throw out there that with those rumors for Eric Garcia, people know that not to say that I stand for him, but I think he is good enough to be the fourth center back. He's also very cheap that I always remind people. He's from Catalonia. He's very cheap. And if you have Kunde and Araujo and Christensen in front of him and you have to deal with him as your fourth center back, I, I think that's the perfect guy to sign up for do that. He's a great locker room person. He's a great leader. And I'd rather take him if it's him or Alonso. I, I take him, even though he's right-footed. But anyway, so I think Xavi yeah. puts him on. 
just to give him some confidence and say, hey, you're still part of what I'm doing here. But then he puts Kessier, Ansu Fati, Rafinha, and Roberto. And to me, I think what you said is correct. Those four players, that's basically what Xavi needs. He needs that 11 that you just saw today, and then he needs those four, basically 15 players, to be up to the challenge, rotated, and ready to go to take Barcelona to more than one trophy, as in more than just this trophy this season. 100% about that bench. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know about Eric Garcia, man. You know, I'm, you, you know that I'm a fan. You know that I defend him a lot. At, at the same time, if he's our fourth uh, center back and he knows he's not going to play, or at least he knows that his role will be limited because um, Araujo, Christensen, and Conde, like, uh, you know, they're probably at a higher level, all three of them. Uh, and I mean at a, such a higher level that his playing time will be severely limited. Mm-hmm. If, say, a Premier League club says, hey, you know, we want to pay 50, 60 million for him. <laughs> of course, of course. I'll sign it for you. Of course, of course. But I don't, I think his market, you know, they, I think his market no, is going to be like so, eight. I, I I just don't, I can't imagine Eric Garcia going anywhere with his playing time and everything, but tw- more look, than like 12. Ch- Ch- Chelsea just paid 100 million. Well, Chelsea for, is wrong. The, Chelsea is the only for, one, I mean, in the Premier League club, they're doing for, that. For, I for, no, 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 hold on. They, they paid 100 million for this Ukrainian guy. <laughs> Like yeah, I know, I no, 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 nobody ever heard of him until Arsenal were interested. Mm-hmm. Well, he's an attacker too. I just think I think for a, a center back like Eric Garcia, I just I can't imagine him going for more than like twelve or fifteen. I just think he's more valuable to Barcelona at his wage number than he is elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, like he's comfortable, he's at s- home, selling, all those things. S- selling him for twelve million would be yeah. ridiculous. Well, I also think too that uh, that Araujo's he's, health, he's worth more. Than I, I think that Araujo's injury history is an important part of Eric Garcia. I think not to say that he's hoping that his his friend Araujo gets hurt, but I think Araujo's injury history and Christensen had a little bit of history too in his his past. That and Kunde as well. Yes, yes, and well, Kunde yeah, the last like two seasons, which again he's only twenty three, so that's still a pretty large part of his senior sample size. So I think for Garcia, his moments will come if he were to the fourth center back, but he also lost out in the pecking order to Alonso. So if you're fifth center back, even behind Alonso, of course the writing's on the wall here, but. Yeah, but, but but going back to it uh, about Kessier, I think I was a bit frustrated on the goal even that was scored because I know the match was over. I know Barcelona weren't really trying that much, but very much like Alba and Torres when they just jumped on the goal that Fakir winds up scoring that leaves him wide open. I think I, I'm a bit frustrated about Kessier because he's been undisciplined in that way. You know, I think what mm-hmm. he has, like what he contributes to Barcelona, especially if the team is clicking, I can see him clicking as well. But he's making those little mistakes like that where he's jumping on those fakes and and things you can't do and they're immediately leading the goal. I mean, Roberto coming right on the field, less on him because Ter Stegen obviously makes the kick save, which is a great save by Ter Stegen. And then how is Roberto to know that that's going to go right to Benzema? Like that is a fortuitous bounce, of course, to a goal scorer like that. But Roberto also was not close enough to Benzema to be able to, 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 to deal with that a deflection that would have gone to Benzema. So it was a little bit frustrating to see Roberto and Kessier immediately come on. And they were also immediately like, what, 70% at fault for the goal that was conceded. So, right. I, I mean, those kind of things are a little bit frustrating. But again, in a match like this, I I think it's fair for us to not say look by, past that, but Barcelona were already ready to celebrate. Like it was over. It was 3 nothing. Yeah. And the, the other thing, like when we were 2-0 up, I'll be honest, part of me was like, Please don't score four or five goals against Madrid, because they're, because because they're going to raise the Champions League at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, for sure. Right. You, you know, so so maybe three one is better for yeah. us. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's not. 
as long as Real Madrid can say, oh, well, we did a little thing at the end and Benzema has his goal and right, they think everything is okay. The next question I have for you real quick, though, is we I mentioned the January thing at the beginning, how last year Barcelona were flying high, scoring four goals a game, multiple games in a row. But as far as under Xavi, this Atletico Madrid game, then Real Betis, then Real Madrid, you get a result. I know that it took PKs against Real Betis, but you get a result in three straight we'll say big matches, because again, I don't want to take anything away from this Real Betis side, who've been really good in the Liga, very much like Real Sociedad. Like this year, it's already January. Those two teams have done enough where if you get a win over them, like Barcelona did at the start of this year over Real Sociedad, you get wins over those, and I count those as big wins on your schedule, because those are really good teams. Even though Spain is having trouble, they don't bring any players, there's no money, I get it, but Real Sociedad and Real Betis deserve our respect. So those three games in a row, I, I, I think to get results in that manner and to do it the way they did, where once again, you can criticize Xavi for his he's learning on the fly, in-game management, subsequent and, and the like. But from the oh, from the starting whistle for uh, against three really good teams in Spain, he got his tactics exactly right. He either mirrored the opponent with their positioning, he got his his personnel correct to start a game. And I think that is some of the stuff again that I'm really positive about when it comes to Xavi after a, a win like this, even more so than again who individually played well. That it seems like Barcelona from the opening whistle are ready to go. And Xavi's ready for the job. And this kind of confidence and this kind of belief, if they can take this all those intangible things psychologically into these next games against Adafi or whatever, and you get results there, that is what makes us much, a much more much more complete team. Because I think, again, on paper, Xavi's not as dogmatic as people are saying he is. I think he's willing to adapt his tactics because we just saw it against three big teams in three big games. What I think was interesting uh, is... Like, I don't know about the tactics, tactics against Atletico because we were good for 20 minutes, but then Atletico just bulldozed, bulldozed us for, for 70 minutes. Yeah. And there, there was nothing that, nothing that we could do or, or nothing that we did. But what, what was inter- interesting against Betis was we attacked them so differently than we attacked Madrid. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Dembélé on the left, like I think, I think their right back, his name escapes me right now. He's still having nightmares. Uh, Rubial, eight uh, eight Rubial. Yeah, uh, that, he's still having nightmares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and um, we we only let them back in when Dembélé and Frankie Dion came off, and you know they came off because they carried small knocks, so Xavi was saving them. So. Let let's see where this ends up. I mean, like I said, the 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 schedule is so so grueling. We we depend a lot on people staying fit to keep the momentum going. I think another thing is that Jordi Alba is playing well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, and I like that. That does not mean that he's a guaranteed starter. Busquets did not play well in the beginning of the season. He's playing well now. Still, does not make him a guaranteed starter. Uh, I think the only people who are guaranteed are uh, Ter Stegen, Lewandowski, Dembélé. Pedri and Gavi. I think Kunde and Araujo are also guaranteed starters. I don't know. I, I that's I'm not taking anything away from Christensen, but I, because they can both play right back, and we've seen it this season, I think if they're fit, I, I think Xavi's going to put them somewhere. Like Kunde's either going to be a center back or a right back in every match that he's fit for, and I think Araujo the same way, where Xavi's either going to employ him as the right back or he's going to be the starting center back. I, I think those two are pretty much untouchable at this point. Yeah, they would be my preference also to have them on the pitch. Always, but I can see certain games where because unlike others, Kunde has not impressed me at right back mm. as much. So out of Christensen, Kunde, and Araujo, 
if for whatever reason Xavi says, hey, on the right back, uh, I do not need the defensive solidity. I need somebody who, who can help help us with the build-up. And he chooses Sergio Roberto. Mm-hmm. Then I don't know what the matchup in the middle of uh, defense will be, uh, depending on people's form. Well, yeah, you want to get Christensen on the f- I see your argument. You want to get Christensen on the field because you want him playing, you want him in form. And so what's the rotation? How do you keep all three of those guys in form? So, yeah, yeah I, I think but, that's fair. That's but, fair. But even in the big match, because, you know, Lewandowski will always play. Uh, Pedro Ingavi will always mm-hmm. play. Dembele, even when he's not on form, like he, he still conditions the oppon- opponent like like nobody else. So just having him on the pitch scares the yep. living daylights out of the other team. And they, ha- they have to adjust whatever they want to do when he's on the pitch. And whereas, yeah, Koundé and Raucho is my favorite central defensive pairing. Uh, but depending on what Xavi wants against which opponents, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's good, again, that Christensen is not oh, the wrong answer. I'm just repeating myself like an idiot. No, no. Yeah, it's totally fair. Christensen is not the wrong answer. So, yeah, I mean, I think, as we said, like this team and its ceiling, they, to kind of wrap up this game, winning a trophy in this fashion against Real Madrid, it shows you that the ceiling of this team is very high. And I think the scary thing about Barcelona is obviously because of not only the youth of the squad, but because of how we spoke about players numbers, what, 13 through 16, that the floor of this squad is also pretty low. Like there are still potentially hiccups in, in on the horizon. Like this does not mean that Barcelona are going to win the Liga and win the Europa League and win the Copa del Rey and all those things. Like they have a long season to navigate. I think I already said all my thoughts from this this, this match. I think I know the Spanish Super Cup. I mean, while it mattered to me, you know, people come back, I made a history of the Spanish Super Cup back in 2019. But while the Spanish Super Cup matters to me, I know that it doesn't matter to the, the average Kool-Aid because the average Kool-Aid is going to continue to be frustrated by Barcelona getting knocked out of the Champions League. But not to say that was a long time ago, but these are long and winding seasons. And in terms of like, the story of this year, this year, other than the Champions League, has not yet been written at all. And so this starts the next chapter of this season, where winning a trophy in that fashion against a rival in El Clasico, even if it was in Saudi Arabia and all that stuff, you roll your eyes at that. But they still got the job done, and they're still a good team who's now showing you that they're capable of competing across. I mean, again, they're leading the Liga. So they're able to compete across all oh. these trophies now moving forward. And that excites me. That's it. That's, I'll oh. give you the final word here. I'm, let's uh, give Jules Koundé the final word. Uh, and he said after the game that it's the start, it's the start of a cycle. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I would always say don't do that. I mean, that, so now, that, that, that gets me on the Spanish Super Cup thing. It's like, you, I'm sorry. That's where I draw the line on the Spanish Super Cup. You can't, have, you can't win that trophy. It's like winning the Gampere trophy and saying it's the start of something new. Well, in theory, it is because it's the start of the season. But I, I think you'd argue that that, winning the Gampere trophy, is more the start of something new than the Spanish Super Cup, which happens in the middle of January in Saudi Arabia. But anyway, you get... You, I mean... No, but when 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 they say this and when this comes from the team, I, I do think that what we see there is a determination mm-hmm. and and a belief to to really do something here. So let's see what the future holds for us. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Campeones today. And you're 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 a champion as always, Levon. So follow him on Twitter, follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well at the Barcelona Pod. Close Facebook group, Discord, Patreon, YouTube. And we're on TikTok now, unbelievably. So into the 2023, into the future, here we are in Barcelona there as well with a trophy. So most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, goodbye.